you take your Bibles this morning, turn to Acts chapter 26. We are getting towards the end of our study in the book of Acts. So far, we have seen the good news of the resurrected Savior, the gospel, how it has moved from Jerusalem, Judea, Sumeria, and to the outermost parts of the earth. And here we are in Acts chapter 26 now. I think it's one of the most dynamic scenes in all of the Bible. It is in this chapter that the Apostle Paul, he stands before King Agrippa and he gives his personal testimony uh, to this king in order to win him for Christ. And this may well be the high point in Paul's ministry as he uses this opportunity once again to be a witness for Christ and his resurrection. So we will read this morning from verse 19 to verse 32. Please stand with me in respect to God's word. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. And to this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things. And to him I, bold, I speak boldly, for I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am except for these chains. Then the king rose, and the governor, and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Lord, we ask for your help this morning as we again unfold this recorded passage of your inspired word. We ask, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to accept the truth and respond in a way that would honor you. So we pray for your spirit, please, Lord, to teach us and help us as we study your word now. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So Gary Banning of North Carolina died in February 2012 after going to a friend's house 
and drinking an amber-colored liquid that was sitting by his mechanic buddy's sink. And it wasn't an alcohol beverage. It was gasoline that his friend used to clean his hands with. And Gary spat it out, and he probably would have been all right if he wouldn't have lit a cigarette to calm his nerves. He died the next day from a severe burn. And I'm sure you would all agree that that is crazy, isn't it? That is crazy. And that's basically what we find Festus saying here to Paul in Acts chapter 26, verse 24. He says, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. He says that twice. Basically, he's saying, Paul, you are crazy. You spent way too much time studying. This studying is making you mad. I'm sure he was thinking, Paul, what are you saying? What are you doing? You had it made before you got caught up with all this Jesus stuff, and now you've just gone too far. You need to, you need to calm down. You need to, you need to quit talking crazy. And this exchange, which puts... Festus and Agrippa and Bernice on the one side with all of their, their worldly pomp and all of their worldly show. And then we've got Paul, the, the prisoner for Jesus Christ, on the other side. And it makes us think about this question. Who really is crazy? Which of these two groups are considered crazy? Is Paul crazy to give up all that this world offers to, to follow Jesus Christ, or are those who live for all that this world offers, for the riches, for the fame, and for the pleasure, are they crazy who, who die without Christ and without repenting of their sins? Well, I hope that you can answer that question as we look at this passage at the end for yourselves. The title of my sermon this morning is Crazy for Jesus. And we'll be looking at verse 19 to verse 32. My first point this morning is in verse 22 to verse 25, which we looked a little bit at last week. And we see Paul preaching the gospel to Agrippa. We see Paul preaching the gospel to Agrippa. We spent last week looking at how important it is for Christians to be faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. As Christians, we need to have the same conviction to do evangelism as the Apostle Paul did, wherever we are, seeking to tell everyone we can about what great things our Lord has done for us. And Paul tells Agrippa that now he's telling everybody, both small and great, the same story of what the Old Testament taught concerning the Messiah and His coming, concerning His death, concerning His resurrection. And Paul tells Agrippa that the Lord has given him help, and as a result, he has been doing all that he can to tell everybody, every opportunity that he has, every single person, both important and insignificant, about the fulfillment of the hope in Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what the prophets and Moses said was going to happen. And Paul tells Agrippa and the prophets he tells Agrippa about the prophets and Moses in the Old Testament that the Messiah was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he should be the first to proclaim 
light both to the Jewish people as well as to the Gentiles. And we see clearly, even in Paul's argument, that Christianity does not contradict anything in the Old Testament. As Paul argues, Christianity is a fulfillment of those prophecies in the Old Testament. Look at verse 24. Look at verse 24. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. So as Paul is showing and proving the Old Testament scriptures and that Christianity is a fulfillment of this, as he is proving this to Agrippa, the Jew, look who interrupts. Agrippa is listening, but it, here it is the Greek, it is the Roman Festus who interrupts. And he accuses Paul that his learning is driving him out of his mind. Now, of course, contrary to this charge of Festus, his outburst, Paul was really the sanest man in the room. Paul responds very calmly, very rationally, as we see in verse 25. And Paul tells him that the things that he was sharing with them were not made up myths, they were not made up legends, but he says words of truth and rationality. Words of truth and rationality. And as we saw last week, Paul's faith, along with the faith of all the other apostles, rested completely in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, their faith would be in vain. Our faith would be in vain. But Paul says it was not an irrational leap in the dark. His faith is based on the eyewitness testimony of hundreds of people, not just his own, but over 500, 600 people who saw the resurrected Savior. It was Paul's encounter with the risen Savior that converted him and changed him from insanity to sanity. From a, a murderer to a, a minister of the gospel. And there is a lesson here for all of us. Festus was the irrational one here. Festus, in, he actually was a, a rationalist. Uh, for him, the notion that, that Jesus or anyone else could rise from the dead was, was for him crazy. For him, that was plain crazy. He thought that in spite of Paul's great learning, saying such things proved that, that Paul had lost his mind. And Festus believed in philosophy. He believed in logic. But he did not believe in religious superstition. Another famous rationalist was Aristotle. You may have heard of his name. He was a rationalist who believed in logic and not in religion. But the truth is most atheists that we have heard of are also rationalists. Most atheists are rationalists. So people today who are, are rationalists will, will call themselves free thinkers. And they claim that there is no evidence for any random supernatural authority like God. And that is the big mistake that, that all rationalists make. 
You may have even seen this type of teaching in the moral education that your children, your children get in the schools. This is the mistake they all make. And Festus' mistake, as we see here, was, was no different. He had not factored in God who, who spoke the universe into existence by the very word of His power. You know, reason is, is good to a point. I'm not saying we mustn't reason. You know, God gives us minds that are capable of, of thinking, and we need to use our minds. His word gives us many truths that require thoughtful grasping of these concepts. But if we, if we exalt human reason to the point where we exclude God, where we exclude His power, or we, we set aside His revelation in His Word, we fall into to terrible error. We fall into terrible er error. Now, overemphasizing reason without factoring in God's power causes us to live for this present world. It causes us to live for what we can see and not to live by faith, what we cannot see. The gospel comes to us as a revelation from God. And the revelation of God is not originated in the, in the mind of God. It is originated in the mind of, of God, isn't it? It's not, sorry, it's not originated in the mind of man. It is originated in the mind of, of God. Listen to what Scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 1. You can turn there. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Verse 21. Who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, before anybody could see it, before anybody could reason it, so that your faith and hope are in God. If we leave God out of the picture, we are left just with what this world has to offer us. If this world is all there is, then really, let's eat, drink, and be merry, because there's no point in anything else. If there is no God, we will live in a world that is filled with every kind of wickedness. We'll live in a world that is filled with every type of evil and, and greed and deceit and depravity. There will be no understanding. There will be no fidelity. There will be no love. There would be no mercy. And without God, there, there is no hope. Without God, there is no peace. Without God, there is no relief from the guilt of sin and the stain of it. Without Jesus, people are, are doomed to perish while pursuing the flesh. With Him, people will be raised to life with God forever. And thank God for the truth of the gospel. Secondly, we see in verse 26, 
Paul pleads with Agrippa to accept Jesus Christ, to accept this truth, to put away his, his rational thinking and to believe by faith. Look what he says in verse 26. This has not been done in a corner. This has not been done in a corner. And what Paul is saying is that all people had some awareness in that day at the time of, of Jesus Christ. Some people, most people had heard of this group called The Way. Remember, that was the, the early term for the Christians. And nothing about Christianity was done in secret. Nothing was done in a corner. And surely Festus knew something about Paul even. And Paul has presented to Agrippa the whole gospel. And now what he's doing, he's, he's pushing Agrippa metaphorically against a wall here. He's forcing him to a conclusion that he probably wouldn't have made on his own. And he's forcing Agrippa really to be a silent witness to the Roman Festus. And Agrippa hasn't said a word yet. He hasn't spoken any word. And yet Agrippa is standing there with his mouth shut, attesting to what Paul has said as being true. He's not denying it. Look at verse 27. Paul says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? He says to him, I know you believe the prophets. And Paul is telling King Agrippa that he knows that this Jewish king had heard about what he was telling him about Jesus, about the Messiah, and that these things weren't nothing that he hadn't heard before. And Paul carried the, the truth of the gospel right to the heart of, of King Agrippa. And he was saying, you know the historical facts of Jesus' life, Agrippa, and you believe the prophets. We all know that you do. So put it together. Put it together. What the Old Testament is saying about the Messiah that we are declaring to you. Jesus fulfilled what the prophets wrote about. You know it. By the very fact that Agrippa doesn't say anything here, is that he can't deny it. He has to accept it. The case is really clear. And the king knows it. And anybody who believes the prophets, anybody who believes Moses, in fact, anybody who believes the historical fact must conclude that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. And Agrippa responds to Paul. He says in verse 28, look at verse 28. In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? Very interesting answer. He's not denying what Paul is saying. He's not agreeing with what Paul is saying. He's taking the easy route, isn't it? He's turning his answer into a joke. He's embarrassed, I think, in front of these important people. You know, what would they think if he took seriously what this controversial Jew is saying? And so with no regard for what the living God might think, Agrippa, he, he jokes away this opportunity to receive eternal life. I think Agrippa felt this tug of the Holy Spirit on his heart to, 
receive Christ, but he also is feeling another tug, the tug of the, the world, and he is conflicted. He clearly understood that if he really committed his life to Christ, he knew he would have to repent, which means turning away from the things that he was doing and bearing fruit for righteousness, as Paul had been proclaiming. And he was not willing to pay that price to follow Christ. Agrippa was an almost Christian, but he turned away. He turned away. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. And in their day, there was Festus, there was Agrippa, and Bernice, her name is always mentioned. I hope you, you notice that. Just there with them. You know, they were the people that had what everybody wanted. They lived well. They lived comfortably. They had plenty of money. They had the finest clothes. They had the best food. Probably had the nicest chariot. The latest chariot. V8. I'm sure everybody was lusting after it. The most comfortable palaces to live in. And then you have Paul, on the other hand. He had no property. He had no investment portfolio. He probably could pack all of his earthly belongings into, into one suitcase. But who was truly wealthy at the end of the day? Who was truly wealthy at the end of the, uh, end of the day? As Jesus taught us in Luke 12, the one who piles up this world's goods and is not rich toward God, is crazy. He's the fool. That's what Jesus says. It's not what Paul is saying. While we can legitimately enjoy what God has given to us, the material blessings, we need to be on guard against every form of greed. That's what Jesus teaches there in Luke chapter 12. We need to remember that God gives us what we need, not what we greed. We need to remember that we are stewards of what God gives us, these blessings that He has entrusted to us. We are not these stagnant dams that just collect water and, and rot. We are to be the conduits that give blessings to others. These pipes that flow with the living water. And when we stand before Him, we will give an account of how we have invested God's blessings in, in light of eternity. In light of eternity. Jim Elliot, he was martyred at the age of 28 while serving as a missionary in Ecuador. And he, he wrote in his journal at the age of 22, he said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Can I read that again? He wrote this at the age of 22. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Now, Paul is not crazy to give up all that this world offers to follow Christ. He wasn't the fool. The crazy person or the fool, as Jim Elliot says, is the one who thinks that they can love the world and all the things that are in the world. 
We all need to remember what Jesus taught in, in Luke chapter 12 and in Luke chapter 16. In Luke 16 verse 13, Jesus says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Agrippa's heart was torn because he loved his wealth. He loved his money. We see thirdly, Paul proclaiming, Paul is proclaimed innocent by Agrippa at the end of this passage. Look at verse 30 in your Bibles. Acts chapter 26, verse 30. Then the king rose, and the governor, and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So look at verse 30 there. The king arose, and the governor, and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them. Agrippa concluded from Paul's defense that he was innocent. They got up, everybody got up, everybody realized that this, that this fake trial really had no merit, and that all of his charges were, were fabricated. But the sad thing is that he was unaffected by Paul's passionate plea to repent of his sins and to receive Christ. Agrippa was never again so close to making a commitment for Christ as he was at this moment. And he gets up and he concludes the trial. And notice there in, in verse 30, when Agrippa heard enough, he kind of shut down this trial. He shut down the, the conversation. He rose up. And he withdrew. Instead of doing what he knew he needed to do, instead of responding to the Holy Spirit, which was tugging at his heart, he blinked and he walked out the room. Instead of taking the final step of salvation, he, he walked away from this free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior. Agrippa was an almost Christian. He was of royalty, he was cultured, he was well-educated, he was a good leader, he was more fair-minded than his wicked forefathers, remember his grandfather and his, his father. He was a nominal, non-religious Jew, even though he, he was a secret slave to his, his sins and his passions. He believed in, in God, he believed in the Old Testament, he believed in the prophets. He was religious to a point but he was unsaved. He was religious, but he was unrighteous. He believed what all the demons believe, that there is a God, but he did not tremble. Agrippa was acquainted with the Christians, with the way, and he knew much about even Christianity, but yet he resisted the Holy Spirit, 
came so close to believing, but at the last moment, he turns away. He was an almost Christian, but an almost Christian is headed for eternal judgment. An almost Christian is not a Christian. He is the same as an idol worshiper. Same as a, a non-believer. I want to conclude this morning by looking at a few possible reasons why Agrippa walked away from the Savior. We're not told definitely why Agrippa rejected Christ, but I think there are some hints in our, in our text this morning. And first of all, I think it must have felt great to, to Festus and Agrippa and Bernice to be surrounded by these, these armed guards to, to step out of their, their royal chariots in these expensive clothes and these robes and, and to wave to, to, to the common people as they, they went up the steps into this auditorium. And all of the invited guests, they, they bowed before them, they greeted them respectfully. We even see Paul doing that. Servants stood by to wait on every of their, their needs and their whims. And in the eyes of the world, these people had, they had arrived. These were the people who had, who had made it. The sweet smell of success wifted from their clothes. Agrippa loved the power. He loved the prestige. And to turn to Christ would mean that he would have to forsake that all. But those whom the world considers successful, let's remember, are soon dead and forgotten. Festus would be dead within two years of this meeting here with Paul. And if he, Agrippa, and Bernice had not had their names recorded in the Bible, no one would know who they are today. History doesn't even record them in the way that the Bible does. And Paul, whom most people in Caesarea wouldn't have walked across the street to, to see, he was, a, he was not a very handsome man. There was nothing nice about him to, to observe. He was the most successful man in that room. He was the most successful man in that room because he lived his life in light of eternity, in light of eternity. And secondly, we see next to Agrippa's throne was this, was this beautiful woman, Bernice, who was his sister, with whom he was living in an incestuous relationship. And to come to Christ would mean he would have to abandon his illicit sex life and that was too much for him. His flesh and his love for the flesh was too much for him to overcome. The lust of the eyes blinded him. And thirdly, all around Agrippa, as I mentioned, was this wealth and there was this materialism to, to follow Christ. And that would mean forsaking it all. But fourthly, we see Agrippa had heard Festus call Paul a crazy man. And surely Agrippa did not want to be linked up with this bunch of religious fanatics who were, who were followers of Christ, who were these crazy followers of Christ. What would Agrippa, what would his friends say to him if he became a Christian? Yes, Agrippa feared what 
men would say if he associated with Christ. And peer pressure has, has always been a powerful force to draw people away from God and to keep them in this world. You don't want the other kids at school to think that you're weird. So don't take a stand for Christ. You don't want your, your work colleagues to think that, that you are weird or, or crazy. So, so go ahead and laugh at their, their dirty jokes and, and say nothing when they take God's name in vain. At work, just, just cut corners and, and fudge the truth like everyone else. Just go with the flow. But you know, the problem with going with the flow is that the flow is heading straight towards hell, folks. Straight towards hell. Embarrassment about what others might think without regard for what God thinks really causes us to live for this present world. This temporary present world. It will never satisfy your soul. And Agrippa chose against Christ and for hell because he loved pleasures, he loved riches, he loved power, he loved fame, he loved the sexual pleasures of this world, he loved himself more than anything or anyone. And Agrippa was so close to the kingdom that he would not take that, that final step. And he made his choice, and his choice damned him for eternity. The question I want to leave with you this morning is, are you an Agrippa? Are you an Agrippa? Just because you're here, just because you're part of our religious ceremony this morning, doesn't mean that you're a Christian who's repented of their sins. Maybe you know about Christ. Maybe you've been brought up in a Christian home. You know all the Sunday school stories that you need to know. But have you yourself repented of your sins, forsaken what the world has to offer to follow Christ? You may know the gospel of Christ, but have you never made that final step of faith in Christ? Are you an almost Christian? You may be convinced even intellectually in your mind, but are you converted? Change your mind about God. Change your mind about Christ. Change your mind about your lifestyle and put your trust in Jesus as your personal Savior, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Don't be an Agrippa. The lives of Festus, the lives of Agrippa and Bernice, they show us that the crazy person is the one who lives for this superficial, fleeting world. They are the crazy ones. Paul was not crazy to give up all that this world offers to, to follow Jesus. The crazy person is the one who thinks that they can, they can love the world and they can love the things of the world. What Jesus is saying to all of us today, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ this morning? 
We've looked at Agrippa, and we see the sad story of this really great man in the eyes of the world who could not humble himself and serve the living and true God. And then we see Paul, the man who really had nothing that this world wanted, but had everything because of his surrender to the one who is king that we will all give an account to one day. Remember the words of Jim Elliot. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for those who have gone before us. Lord, who have stood for what is true, who have stood for what is righteous, who have given their lives for the sake of Christ. We thank you for those, Lord, who have gone before us. We pray today, Lord, that you would help us to know for sure whether our faith is in you or in the things of this world, whether we truly love you or whether we are still prisoners to this world and its pleasures. Father, we ask that you would grant salvation to those this morning who need to be saved, that you would grant repentance this morning to those who still need to repent of their sins. It's not enough just coming to church. It's not enough even knowing some Bible verses. We need to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the resurrected Son of God. And we pray today, Father, that you would take this truth, this intellectual truth that we've seen proclaimed for us in so many ways by the Apostle Paul, that it would drop from our heads into our hearts this morning, that we would live lives that would honor you, Father, that we would live lives, perform deeds appropriate to our repentance that we have proclaimed, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that we would hear you say to us one day, well done, my good and faithful servants, because we have lived lives appropriate to our repentance. As we learned this morning, Lord, we cannot say that we are justified without living lives of sanctification. We cannot separate the two. We cannot call ourselves Christians and live in the world as, as followers of the world, enjoying the pleasures of this world without giving you the honor that you deserve. So Lord, we pray today, please help us to examine our hearts as you would, Lord. We pray that the Spirit would examine our hearts this morning and that we would be sensitive to His leading today. Are we growing in Christ-likeness? Are we becoming more and more like Christ? And if not, Lord, grant us the repentance that we need today. So, Father, please, we pray, may you be glorified in our responses today. If there are unbelievers here, that they would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. And not walk away again from another, another opportunity to receive Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus. That we may be free from this world. That we may be free from the slavery of sin. Thank you for sending Jesus who has taken us out of darkness to walk in His marvelous light. 
May we not be fools, Lord, and go back to the vomit of sin and go back to the vomit that this world has to offer us, but that we would live lives reflecting our Holy Savior to the world around us. May we would be prepared to give an answer of the hope that we have inside of us when we are asked. Lord Jesus, we pray, be glorified amongst us. For your glory and for our joy, I ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.